more to the Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. If you've ever wondered just how involved God is in your everyday life, then you come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Jason Com, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives through the Ten Commandments, baptism, the Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to Living the Faith. Welcome to Living the Faith, episode 11, Stealing and Speaking. My name is Pastor Tom Marsis, Senior Pastor at Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Vicar Jason Kahn. And we're glad that you're with us as we continue our series of Living the Faith. This week, we're covering both the Seventh and Eighth Commandments. Uh, so that is an interesting combination there. And we want to remember what God tells us and how we are to live, and also the blessings that these two commandments really are in our daily life. So we're going to start with uh, the Seventh Commandment. And just as a reminder... Uh, the commandments are divided into two sections. The first three commandments uh, deal with man's relationship to God, and the last seven commandments deal with uh, our relationship to each other. And so as we move on now to commandment seven, uh, we are reminded in, in a real way of to respecting one another's property, and not just their property. It goes beyond just that as well. So uh, the commandment is, you shall not steal, or you must not steal, and rejoicing in very much the blessings that God has given us. Uh, This is one of those commandments that goes uh, with the saying, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. It's not what we have, but as we look over the fence, what we don't have, uh, very much our sinful desire. And so as we get into this commandment, it's... uh, being content. Contentment very much is central to what we're talking about here. And it even goes beyond just being content with what we have, but also being content with what other people have and rejoicing in what other people have. Um, I don't know about you, but my gut reaction when I kind of look at someone that has something I don't, it's not always just right away contentment. Like, yes, I'm happy with this situation. A lot of the time I think to myself, oh, The grass is greener on the other side. I kind of wish I had what they did. But so this commandment really speaks to that, being happy with what we have and with what others have as well. And so we break this commandment in three basic ways. The first kind of goes without saying it's by stealing the money or possessions of other people. Uh, We don't really need to explain that. We're all familiar with um, how this isn't just something that God speaks against, but it's also a very common law too. don't steal what isn't yours. Don't take what's not yours. Another reason, another way that we break this commandment, um, if we turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28, I'm going to read it aloud for you, but Paul uh, condemns people being lazy or sloppy when they're working, so not taking advantage of the jobs that they have, the duties that they have. And so here's what he says. He says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And so God gives us jobs to do, and he expects us to do those jobs, to do them honestly, and not to try and um, gain things in dishonest ways um, outside outside of those callings. What that also speaks is the responsibility we have to our employers. Uh, If I have an hour's worth of work, but I am lazy and take an hour's worth of work, make it into about three hours worth of work. I've just stolen two hours of pay from my employer. Uh, Yes, technically, 
some would say, well, you didn't steal, you didn't, but yes, you did, because we were taking pay for things that shouldn't have been, like it should have only taken an hour, and yet, nevertheless, we took three hours to do it, and, and you see this often when people say, you know what, I, I deserve it. No, you deserve to get paid for a decent uh, wage, for a decent ma- amount of work, and yet how often we just say, ah, well, it doesn't matter, they're going to give it to me anyway. Mm-hmm. And so there's one other way which we break this commandment, and that is by getting something by being dishonest about it or in fraudulent ways or by taking advantage of other people too, kind of going back to that as well. Um, Taking advantage of what you've been given and taking more than you're supposed to be given from it. Um, And so conversely, we keep this commandment, you shall not steal, by very simply looking after and protecting the earthly possessions, income, and livelihood of ourselves and those around us. So we're actually supposed to be helping our neighbors protect what they have as well, not just looking after our own things and our own possessions, but looking to the needs of our neighbors too. Well, and this is very difficult because oftentimes, well, it's your fault you lost that. It's your fault that you left it somewhere. It's like going to the grocery store and you uh, have to pay your bill. And let's just say your bill is $47. You give them a $50 bill. And instead of getting back uh, $3, they give you back $13. Well, it's the cashier's fault. I didn't do it. I gave her the right amount of money. She gave me the wrong. No, that's money does not belong to you. Yes, they made a mistake. Yes, they shouldn't have given it to you. But we also have a responsibility to say, this doesn't belong to us. Uh, we need to give it back. And what's very interesting, uh, when we talk about through all this living the faith, we talk about how the world is constantly watching us. If you've ever had the experience where someone has given you too much change, especially a significant amount of change, uh, and you give that back to them, say, well, wait a minute, hold it. I'm not supposed to get that much change back. Here's the whatever the amount of money is. And the reaction is very much surprised. Like, why are you giving it back to me? I mean, thank you, but why are you doing that? And again, that's an example of doing something simply because that is who we are, not because we're trying to get some kind of extra recognition or the like, uh, but it's amazing how the world reacts when you give back something that someone mistakenly given you and it's not yours. Mm-hmm. And so God does not want us to steal anything in any capacity from anyone simply because God is our provider and not us. In the scriptures, we have the promise that God, as our loving creator and father in heaven, he opens his hand and satisfies the desires of every living being. He gives everything what they need. Now, that's a little different from giving everything what they want, and it's good to make this distinction, but God has promised as our provider to take care of our needs. And so, um, he's the one responsible for making sure that we've got everything that we need. And when we reach out and steal or take things that's not ours, suddenly we are make, we are the ones most responsible for what we would say our needs are. And this is one of the commandments that's really an example of the devil sitting on our shoulder, whispering into our ear and saying, well, wait a minute, why does so-and-so have all that beautiful car and boat and camper? And look at you, you have a used car, it's fallen apart, come on, don't you deserve the same thing that your neighbor has with that big boat, big car, big house? And as he does that, he very much is getting us to uh, 
look at that and say, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm, I, for my happiness sake, I need to have that big house, that big car, that big camper, that boat that I just so much need that I probably will only use once a year, but I got to have it. And so it really falls into line with our a society that we live in of instant gratification. We're not a patient people. We're used to getting what we want, when we want it, right now. And so if we are really a people of instant gratification, it doesn't take long for the devil to convince us, hey, you need that boat, not next week, not next year, not when you retire, you need it right now. And then that can lead to stealing in a lot of different levels and a lot of different ways. Yeah, that's a big part of it is taking things because... If we have what we want, we're going to be happy, right? But we're always going to want more things. And so this can kind of spiral down and get worse and worse. And um, suddenly you're never satisfied with anything that you have. Well, and stealing is a classic example. When is enough enough? And the answer to that is it never is enough. And you see it very much in society, uh, sometimes with uh, large corporations that have to make more and more, always looking for that next great thing that they have to have. And part of stealing is also, which is, this is a hard one to understand, stealing somebody's popularity. And this is where uh, commandments are kind of like the domino effect. And because uh, the, the next one really is giving false testimony, this is where they fall. If I lie and break the eighth commandment and say untruths about you, maybe I can gain this popularity with the in-group that I want, that somehow I am going to get something that I want so that all the world can see that I'm the best uh, athlete, I'm the best uh, employee at work, wherever that list may go. And so you can see very much how you break this commandment, this commandment goes down, this commandment goes there. And so really the seventh and eighth commandment can be seen together sometimes because we can steal somebody's reputation by lying about them, telling untruths. Right. And if we're always looking for more things that we don't have, if we're never satisfied with what we do have, and we're always looking to um, the blessings that other people have and our frustrations with that, then very quickly we're forgetting about God's promise to care for us. And we're turning our eyes away from him and to other things for security. And so um, I'd really encourage you just on your own time to uh, take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33 sometime. This is pretty well known. Jesus talks about how um, there's not even a sparrow that falls from heaven without God knowing about it. And it goes over his complete care for all his creation. And so if God cares so much about things like the grass, which just kind of grows on its own pretty passively. How much more is he going to provide for people like you and me, for his children? And so God's timing doesn't always work with our timing, um, but God does know everything that we need better than anyone and will provide in his own timing and in his own way. And so this commandment bids us to take our eyes away from the things that frustrate us about what we don't have and what we want and to just look to God as our merciful creator who is going to take care of it. And really, as we said earlier, satisfied, being satisfied with what we have. It's not easy in the society that we live in. It's not easy in our sinful desires. And yet this commandment, while it is about stealing, it really is about being satisfied with all the blessings that God has given us. Well, we kind of referenced uh, moving into the Eighth Commandment, and that would be, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Uh, 
big fancy words, I suppose, but you should not lie about your neighbor is basically what we're talking about here. And as we just talked about uh, supporting someone in the possessions, uh, speaking to protect their reputation is even more important. You know, returning someone's possessions, if you've stolen them, is much e easier than restoring somebody's reputation if you've somehow stolen it and destroyed it. Uh, it is very difficult to regain your reputation because, uh, to quote, someone who is, speaks much better than I, methinks thou protesteth too much, often comes into mind when you're talking about, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I didn't do that. I didn't say that. Uh, and so other people will go, oh, sure. And so getting back that reputation, if we've lied, given false uh, testimony about something is very important. And so that means our words are powerful. You know, the old acronym when we were little kids, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. Sounds nice, but really, words can very much harm us. And in the society that we live in today, the words that we use, not only spoken, but the words that we use printed, uh, and we send it over the internet, is very much damaging and hurtful today uh, much more so than in the past. Uh, obviously, the word that comes to mind is bullying, uh, but our words are very much a part of bullying, uh, not just physically beating on somebody physically, but our words can be such a more of a beat down on someone and more powerful and hurtful uh, than anything we can do to them physically. So we really are called to be, instead of destroying, constructive in how we deal with that with one another and so think twice before we say those things about someone else think twice before we send something out on social media when we're angry with someone uh, step back and say how can i say this in a positive manner right god wants us to speak constructively to all others, not destructively. And so, uh, we speak destructively, we use our words as weapons when we, one, spread lies about other people. This, it may seem harmless, it may seem like, oh, it's just a little white lie, it's not a big deal. But again, some of the lies that are spread about people can seriously damage not just their reputation, but just their life in general. Um, and you know what's really most dangerous about this when you're talking about lies is the most destructive and dangerous lie is one that has a little grain of truth to it. So it's very difficult for someone uh, to combat a lie that has something, part of it that's the truth. So you say, yeah, but what about? And yeah, that's true, but, and then it gets into it. So the most dangerous kind of lie, and let's face it, the devil uses this with us all the time, is one that has a little bit of grain of truth to it. And so when we do that, it's very, very destructive and very difficult to overcome. We also speak destructively about other people when we share something that doesn't need sharing. You know, let's say you have somebody that confides some sort of a secret with you, and then you go out and tell people, well, hey, I know this about this person. What's worse about that is that that's true. It's not a lie, but it's actually, that's something real that someone has told you. Um, and that, that can cause even more damage sometimes. And so it's good to, when you're thinking about some of the things that people tell you, uh, ask yourself, does this need sharing? Or is this just between me and this person? And also the fact, is it my truth to, sh to share? Uh, that's the other part. If it's someone else's 
information, someone else's truth. It's not mine to share. They may have shared it with each of us, but it's not mine to give to someone else. And so I am uh, very much breaking a trust, and it is uh, very much breaking this commandment if I'm supposed to not tell someone else and nevertheless do. Well, another way that uh, it can be very destructive is openly judging, complaining, or gossiping. And the reality is, for us in the church, this is often where this commandment is broken the most. Uh, Let's face it, and I'm going to be very honest with you here, it's very hard at times when someone has really, really frustrated you to not openly complain or judge. And uh, to say that I've never broken this, well, I've broken it plenty. And, and it's very difficult and yet very damaging to do that. Now, not only judging and complaining, which I would say I'm often guilty of uh, doing that, but it's also gossiping. There are some who would say that this commandment, the eighth commandment, is the commandment that is most often broken inside the church. Uh, It's interesting how we often refer to the church as the family of God, and yet how often it's the family of God that we are the most um, mean, deceitful with, related to these kind of truths and what we say or don't say. And if we think about gossiping, why would we even do that in the first place? Why would we spread rumors or try and um, talk negatively about other people like this? Well, it kind of goes back to the seventh commandment and being satisfied. Often, we're not satisfied with ourselves, but you know what makes us feel better? It's putting someone else down because that increases my security. That makes me feel better about myself. And, oh, I'm not, I'm not like this person that we're talking about right now. And it's so, so easy to do. It's very, very easy to do. And people eat gossip right up. People love it when this stuff happens. And God speaks out against this. He says, hey, cut it out. Speak constructively to each other tell the truth um, when it needs sharing and withhold it when it doesn't need sharing and build each other up. Don't tear each other down. Well, here's an example how it can often go in the church. Uh, Someone has missed church for reasons we may or may not know for the last month. And then we're talking to another member. We've been there every week. This other member we're talking to, they've been there every week. But yet, you know, Joe Smith hasn't been there for the last month. Can you believe Joe hasn't been here the last month? Where does he get off not coming to worship the last month? He knows better than that. He should be here. Well, the reality is, you know, you would hope they'd be in worship, but we don't know what is or isn't going on there. And nevertheless, what are we doing? when we say those kind of things, and yet how easy it is to say, have you seen that they haven't been here? Where are they? Why aren't they here? They should be here. And it snowballs from there. And the other reality is uh, we also need to be wise enough to step back and say, I don't want to be a part of this conversation. I need to move on. Which really leads to the next point. How do we speak constructively? Yeah, so we do this in three ways. The first is when... I mean, let's face this too. We're going to encounter people that they're going to be the potsters. Other people are going to be spreading rumors and gossips about people. Um, one of the ways we keep this commandment is if we do ever encounter those people, um, it's our God-given duty to defend um, the person when others speak destructively of them. So when we catch other people engaging in this sort of destructive word speech, we want to 
We want to try and speak the best of our neighbor in the best possible way. Um, and so just kind of sitting there doing nothing and taking it in, um, that wouldn't make God too happy. God would want you to speak up and set the record straight, right? Um, another way in which we keep this commandment is by pointing out the good things and qualities of other people. We can boil this down to the word affirmation. God wants us to be uplifting each other and affirming each other in their gifts and talents, their abilities, what they have, and who they are. God wants us to speak well of people and to just build them up and not just to to be friendly, but really be family, to treat all people as special and worthy of love and attention. And that talks about putting the best construction. Uh, though That's one of those little cliches we say, put the best construction on everything. Sounds great. Do we do it? Well, we should do it. And it's very easy with the devil whispering, can you believe they didn't do this? And why are they doing that? And, and, and instead of putting the best construction, put the worst construction. And yet clearly, as we see in Luther's explanation to the commandment, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. Uh, put the best construction on everything and move forward. And so one last way in which we can speak constructively is we're also going to encounter people that, you know, maybe they haven't made the best choices or maybe they haven't said the best things. And so when we encounter those people, when we're having sort of those more difficult conversations, it's our duty to understand them and their actions in a positive way. So not just judging them immediately and distancing yourself from them because, oh, well, they screwed up. I don't want any part of it. Um, but it's our duty to understand them, to empathize with them if we can, and to explain the truth to them kindly in a kind way. So as not to make them feel worse or to put them down, but again, to help build them back up again. That's what God is uh, all about, after all, is um, not just about breaking us down, but building us up as well uh, with his law and gospel. And so this gets into uh, a concept that Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. He tells us to speak the truth in love. Uh, now, you may have heard of that before, um, but this basically means speaking truthfully to other people for their well-being. And sometimes that means calling them out or correcting them if they've made a mistake. Um, if you just sort of let things slide, oh, it's no big deal if this person screwed up in this way. I don't want to hurt their feelings. I'm not going to talk to them about it. Um, maybe God would want us to confront that person and say, hey, maybe you're not doing such the right thing here. Why don't we... Why don't we talk about this a little bit? And so if we think about uh, the famous David and Bathsheba story. Um, God sent the prophet Nathan after him uh, to speak a word of truth in love in his life. And so Nathan um, got David to realize, oh, I screwed up real bad. I am the sinner here, um, and this is my fault. And so Nathan does firmly tell David that he's wrong, but he also guides him, steers him in the right direction to receive forgiveness from God. So not just breaking him down because he screwed up. And he did screw up really bad, um, but it was Nathan's duty to, to build David back up again, to assure him that, yes, God has put away this sin. God has forgiven you. And it's not always easy. Think about it this way, the story that, uh, Jason is here referencing. Nathan was the prophet, no doubt about it. He was God's uh, called worker, and yet David was the king. Now, David had messed up in the sense that he had committed adultery. He had uh, the, this woman's husband killed. He didn't do it by his own hand, but he had it killed, thought he got away with it. 
But can you imagine after Nathan is goes through the story to help him understand and David gets it that somebody's really in trouble here and they should be punished. And then you turn to the king over all the land and say, you are the man. Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't know that I would have been one to tell the king, hey, you know what? You're the one. You're the one that's the sinner here. You're the one that needs to make payment. And so as we point out a person's sin to them, it's not always easy. Uh, it's it, But nevertheless, we need to do it out of love, not out of anger, uh, not in a mean way, not in a, hey, I'm great, you're, you're wrong kind of thing. But nevertheless, affirm in such a manner so that they are con- confronted constructively, not to tear down, but constructively to be able to hold up to that. And really, the psalm writer in Psalm 19 says, let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's a passage I just love. I mean, you know, reminding us the words that we use, the things that we say, the things that we think about uh, really need to be done in an acceptable manner. Do we do it all the time? Absolutely not. Are we going to make mistakes in sin? Absolutely. And yet, we still have that continual prayer to God, make my words, my thoughts, my meditation all be acceptable in your sight. Mm -hmm. And so think about the words that God speaks into your life and think about how you have the promise of forgiveness, of mercy, of grace, of everlasting love. Um, The things that God says to us uh, in building us up like this, we should really be saying to others as well and trying to strive to speak like God does, um, to say what God would have us say. Um, And what's great about God's word is that he just gives us the words to say, and he can change the way that we speak as well. Um, And so let's strive together to uh, let our words be constructive instead of destructive, building people up in every way we know how instead of tearing them down. And so that's what this commandment touches on. Well, as you go through your readings this week, daily and the prompts and the thought questions to go through, hopefully you can dig a little bit deeper into both the uh, seventh and eighth commandments, uh, stealing, uh, speaking constructively and so forth about another. But be reminded that uh, while we are going to fall and we are going to sin and we are going to keep these commandments perfectly, thanks be to God that he lifts us up and, and our daily walk of faith as we live out that life of faith, that he is there to help us be able to truly be an example to the world around us in how we respect not only our possessions, but others' possessions and also their reputations and speak well of them as well. Lord's blessings as you continue your study this week and as you dive into the scriptures and uh, answer the prompt questions, may be a time of lifting up in your living the faith. Blessings this week. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. 
that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.